Um, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to um, this evening's performance, or this evening's this evening with the Delta Saxophone Quartet. I'm Kevin Appleby. I'm the manager of the concert hall, um, and it's a delight to have Chris Caldwell with us from the Saxophone Quartet, and also David Lancaster as well. Um, <clears throat> we've got about half an hour together to just explore a bit about the two elements of tonight's program. Um, to chat a bit about the Deltas themselves, who are 35 years old this year, um, to chat to David about all manner of different things that he's been involved in in this project and one of the works that uh, features on the disc as well. Um, but, um, I mean, can I start with you, Chris, in terms yeah. of um, the Deltas themselves? I mean, The Guardian said you're one of Europe's most distinguished new music ensembles. And, and I mean, I know from all the years that I've worked with you and we've worked with the Deltas and things, I mean, every project that you come up with is, is so finely crafted and finely thought through and everything. I mean, how do you go about actually thinking about those projects and, and thinking, I suppose, of the fact that we've got two great examples of your current projects this evening? Yeah, I suppose... Um, in the, in the 35 years of uh, working with the quartet, we got together a little bit of history, got together at the Guildhall School of Music and Drama, and as saxophonists uh, studying the saxophone, you're sort of restricted to playing bolero and maybe a bit of uh, Gershwin and a lot of wind band music. And we were... Actually, the saxophone was only allowed into sort of the institutions or the colleges in London in the early 80s, so... We were fortunate enough that it was starting to be taken as a, inverted commas, a serious instrument, even though through the jazz world it's been an extraordinary instrument uh, for many years. Um, the, the sax quartet repertoire available at the time for us was uh, the French are always ahead of the game. We know that, even if it's wearing yellow jackets now. Um, <laughs> but the, the saxophone and the classical saxophone in France have been going sort of since the, the mid-1800s, and obviously Adolf Sax. Yeah. The inventor of the saxophone was a Belgian, but the saxophone was presented in the Paris exhibition, saying, he's my new invention. So there was a lot of uh, French sax uh, saxophone, classical saxophone quartet music. So that's where we cut our teeth. And that was the sort of repertoire. We were looking at the Dubois Francais, and uh, as a, a young quartet then, um, that was sort of where we were doing our training in a very uh, conservative with a small c element. Right. Yeah. We, we started then a development to where you want to get an individuality, I think. Um, mm. So every other quartet that was going at the time, that was the repertoire they were playing. So we started to cast our net a little bit wider and look to commission um, composers to write for us. And uh, at the Guildhall, uh, the SPNM, which is the Society for, for the Promotion of New Music, which mm. sadly doesn't exist anymore, no, um, we managed to get linked up with the SPNM, and Graham Fitkin was, at the time, uh, one of the main composers they were supporting, oh, okay. and Steve Martland, yeah. and uh, we managed to, were lucky enough to get Graham to write us a piece. And so that's that new taste of um, commissioning composers to write for you and they get to know you as players, uh, so we started to develop our own repertoire. Right, okay. So that was sort of the second stage of it and in that sort of area uh, we've been lucky enough to have Gavin Bryars write for us um, and again when composers are writing for you fresh it's a little bit like Ellington in a way where Ellington used to write for the individual players in his saxophone yeah. section like yeah. he knew even the baritone I'm the baritone player in the sax quartet but Harry Carney in the Ellington band uh, he had certain notes on his baritone really sang and Ellington knew that so he would voice 
Carney on the lead line, maybe, on that. But with Gavin, I don't know which baritone players he was listening to. I think it, uh, it must have been John Sermon, because he wrote me a part that was going off the end of my saxophone. I didn't <laughs> play that part. I said, that's impossible, really, to Gavin. He said, no, it's not. I've heard it. And of course, he was right. It was John Sermon. But it was a little bit like having someone writing um, The Rite of Spring, maybe, for the bassoon. And I, I would love to have been at that first rehearsal of Stravinsky. Yeah. And uh, when the bassoonist arrived, and you say, here's your part, and you say, sorry, that's the flute part. <laughs> no, that's the bassoon part. And you have this haunting melody of yeah. that. So that was composers writing for us and stretching us. And, and in the way then that our last part of this 35-year journey where we're bringing all those elements together have been where we've gone and visited um, groups or uh, areas of music. So we've sort of looked at the prog rock, the progressive rock uh, <coughs> players. And we started working with Hugh Hopper from Soft Machine. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we looked at Hugh's work with, with Soft Machine. And we took Soft Machine's inspiration for some of the pieces where they were willing to take risks. And it seems in progressive rock, risk taking was all the de rigueur mm -hmm. rather than something to avoid. Or um, putting Soft Machine through our sound world. And we developed that then working with Gwilym Simcock on piano yeah. and uh, his work with uh, Earthworks. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. He was piano with Earthworks. So he, Bruce, he yeah. said, I'd like to do um, some King Crimson. So that was. And finally, we landed um, working with David Lancaster. We built up um, uh, a, a relationship with David and uh, uh, with our work up in, in the north. Mm -hmm. And David had written as a piece, uh, Swan. But then we started looking at ways to present some of your interests through our sound world. So maybe I could pass that bit on to you. I'm talking mm. about the Bowie Berlin and beyond uh, that project, how we managed to get there. Yeah, it's, it, it was a very interesting project. We, we, I, I work with an organization called Late Music in York, which has been putting on contemporary music concerts for oh, 20, 20 or more years now. And with one of my colleagues there, David Power, he was very interested in the music of David Bowie. And we felt that as promoters of new music, we could, we could bring in different audiences by engaging with, with rock musicians and taking advantage of the fact that in contemporary music now, there are no boundaries. And <clears throat> that working with um, musicians who are primarily rock musicians or jazz musicians or folk musicians isn't as unusual now as it, as it certainly would have been in the 70s or 80s. And David was a, a real Bowie aficionado. He's written a, a book on, uh, on David Bowie, David Power. And um, he came up with the idea of a concert with the Delta Saxophone Quartet based around the music of David Bowie and the people who'd influenced Bowie and the people who'd worked with Bowie. And that was how the, the project was born, really. My piece fitted into that. Chris described my piece as the closest thing he's ever come across to rock and roll that wasn't rock and roll. Um, <laughs> I don't get out much. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, the project was born. And so the, the Bowie album that the Delta Sax Quartet released last year, and the, and the, the release, the launch was at Late Music, wasn't it? Um, there are transcriptions of pieces by Bowie. There are transcriptions of music by Brian Eno, who of course works with Bowie on the, on the Berlin trilogy of, of albums, Low and Lodger and Heroes. 
And there are pieces that are clearly influenced by Bowie, like the one that David Power wrote, which is Shades. That's in the programme tonight, right. isn't it? And, and, and my piece, Swan. Yeah. And, and in terms of, I mean, to, to a lot of audience, you know, the, 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 Bow, the Bowie sound in the same as the King Crimson mm -hmm. sound and the Soft Machine sound is, is so much defined by those original albums. Or those. How do you actually respond? I mean, I've asked you, David, to this, because you've done a mm -hmm. arrangements for the album, and, and we, which we'll hear tonight. How do you respond to that when you're thinking, I mean, do you listen to the original and think, how do I try and replicate that? Or do you not do that at all and just think, this is my interpretation of a work that happens to be by David Bowie? How do you, you do can that? respond in a number of different ways, I guess. And of course, there's a model of Philip Glass who, who took Bowie's music yeah, and wrote yeah. symphonies um, based on, on those albums. Um, on one level, there are simple transcriptions uh, where we try and get as close as possible to the original, and, and Chris here persuaded me to do an arrangement of Bowie's Subterraneans. That's probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It was incredible. I had to, had to keep repeating it and listening to it and transcribing it note by note. There are other pieces which are more in the spirit of Bowie. Um, if David Bowie was writing a piece for saxophone quartet, what would he do? What would, what would Brian Eno say to him? What would, what would all the different influences that that he would bring to this piece, uh, how would they manifest themselves in a, in a piece that's actually still by me? Yeah, okay. And, in, and from your point of view, Chris, in terms of playing it, yeah. I mean, how do you actually structure the thing? How do you, I mean, what, what was the decision about which works w were included on the album, which ones you said, well, let's, let's not touch that because it's far too complex, or we, we don't yeah, want to do Nothing, well, how nothing do was out of it? bounds in that way. Um, I think the spirit was the first thing. Um, and uh, an integrity with that was what would... We looked at the Berlin years. We sort of honed in on that because first there was less vocal, so it avoided any yeah. of us having to uh, inflict <laughs> that <laughs> on an audience. But it was also a time when Bowie was uh, looking when, uh, at uh, looping techniques and obviously the, uh, with Philip Glass, and, and that the, was an area... And of, the influence of Brian Eno, because yeah, he was the, the master the of the loop and the ambient... Music, yeah. So we, we honed in on that and thought, well, okay, it's an orchestral palette. So that was slightly why we went into that area. And yeah. it was an area that we were comfortable with, with playing um, Philip Glass and, and Steve Reich. Actually, the last time we were here, I think we yeah. played some Steve yeah. Reich. Um, so, and it sort of works well on, for saxophones. It also allowed us, um, within the group, within the quartet, we've got some improvisers. So we have our basic shape, but tonight we don't necessarily know exactly, we know our start point, the middle point, and the end point, right, okay. but it's a bit like trying to get your way around the campus at the moment or get into <laughs> the concert <laughs> hall now. I'm looking at my Google Maps and it's taken me in places I didn't know existed. And there's an element of... That's a nice uh, way of reflecting the, the chaos on the campus. Yeah, <laughs> and, but in the end, you, you've made it here and we will make it to the end. Yeah. And we don't quite know our route. But it's sort of saying, that's okay, because I think what, what I've learned about Bowie or Bowie is that he was very comfortable being in that place of, you want to call it disorder, yeah. we'll call it creativity. Yeah. And, um, and when uh, David mentioned David Power, what I loved with David Power, he was a big Bowie fan, but he got into contemporary music through Bowie. Right. And I found... Bowie, or Bowie, I don't know how, one of the <laughs> first pronunciation is through contemporary music. I've gone the other, the other route. Yeah. My brother used to listen to Bowie, you know, in yeah. his bedroom, but I couldn't stand it. 
And of course, it, it, people will come at, and they'll come to him at different phases of yeah. his of his compositional career, going uh, all exactly the way through that. Things so, well. um, and he played the saxophone, of course. Uh, yes. To, yeah. Uh, <coughs> On Subterraneans, there's yeah. an improvised saxophone solo by by David Barry yeah. himself. Oh, really? So. so uh, Okay, and in terms of, I mean, you've got sound, other sound beyond just four saxophones in, in, the, in this. We city. have, we've, because again, at that period, he, um, thinking of someone like Steve Reich and the layering technique, um, or even uh, Terry Riley mm. and the looping, obviously they were dealing then way before digital and with the tapes, and that's sort of with Brian Eno, that's what the, a lot of their work yeah. was trying different things on t layering on top, but in the old-fashioned way, <laughs> maybe taking a razor blade to oh, the, right, yes, the and slicing of the actually. stuff. We're, so luckily, we haven't got that element to worry about. We haven't got razor blades here. We've just got a digital technology yeah. where we can layer and put loops together. Yeah. So um, goodness, yeah. no, we don't really know which way that's going to go, but it's sort of, it's quite, it's a lot of fun coming into something when you don't really know what's going to happen always. Yeah. I think fun's the word. Well, it's, it, it's, it's an experience for everybody, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, from us as uh, audience perspective, but, we'll but also take for... take you on that, on, on a ride. Put, yeah, on a journey and an experience so and things uh, like that. And so. that's sort of an exciting thing. Yeah. I hope it goes okay. And who knows, but we'll take that. Yeah. Um, well, we'll, we'll find take, out, we'll won't we? We'll risk. find out at 8 o'clock in the Can we talk a bit about the second half? I mean, the second half of tonight's programme is Project Flix, which is a, a range of silent films with... Yeah. live performed scores. Talk us about the, the, yeah. the creation of that and the, what we're going to see. Yeah, with the sax quartet, trying to get uh, or invite people to listen to four saxophones isn't always the easiest uh, set of cards to be played with. You say it's not the best hand you've mm. got. Well, people slightly, what we found in the UK, might be slightly more conservative and say, what's that going to sound like? And maybe just part that away. So... We've been looking, well, I'd say visiting the likes of uh, Soft Machine, etc., was one way where people say, oh, I know that, so I might risk that. Yeah. And with film, it's been very interesting when you, you, the likes of Michael Nyman and, uh, and the Peter Greenaway films, mm -hmm. uh, contemporary music put to film it is very effective. And music attached to film, some of the contemporary sounds there, an audience is comfortable with because there's something else which is guiding <coughs> them through the journey. Mm. So we, and obviously the tradition in old black and white cinema was to have the piano player there improvising. Uh, yeah. So to to the, the silent movies. So this project flicks. What we've we've got four films at the moment where we've got brand new scores to go to four separate films. We're going to show two this evening. Mm -hmm. um, but this we're adding to this. Uh, Project Flick, so we've got things, two yeah. more films in the, in the pipeline. So it's something yeah. we're going to run with, and again, it's a way of getting our our live music out to a wider audience, where people might be able to engage with us, but via yeah. the fun of watching a film as well. Yeah. So talk to us about the two films that we'll see. Yeah. I mean, because it'd be quite good to get that. And I mean, it's, it's like the, the the magic circle. I don't want you to give away the secrets of how you synchronise with the film itself. But I mean, if you talk about that as well, that'd be quite yeah. interesting. <laughs> well, I mean, it's not a great secret actually. For both films, it's not like the uh, improvising to um, to the film. Uh, the, both composers have given us very direct things that have to synchronise with that. And the only way we can really do that, because we haven't got a conductor, is to 
we're, we're not listening to the sport. Or I know there might be a match <laughs> on tonight. We've got headphones <laughs> on, and uh, we have got a click track. You've got click track, yeah. which is synced to the yeah. film, which is a slightly odd feeling in a concert. I must admit, because you you feel removed. Yeah. But it's something as a musician you're used to very often in the studio. You're playing to a click. Yeah. And whatever. Yeah. But the two films we've got in the second half are very contrasting. The first one is a 1950s uh, footage of American soldiers in um, the southern states watching a, a nuclear test explosion. And you see, see the action there. And it's, the, it's, it's a test, so that you can see the uh, GIs watching this. You see the bomb go off. And then the general saying, fine, let's go and see the damage it's caused. So, of course, you realize they're walking through. Um, but that was, their leader said that was fine at the time. And so their blind belief, goodness knows what, and, and, and that's, it's an eight minute film. Yeah. And when you see a, the bomb go off, it's so beautiful. When you see this power, and you, but you're realizing it's so destructive. And these young men are then going to see what damage it's caused. And you sort of, so there's that poignancy, but there's also beauty in there. And the composer, Colin Smith, who's um, done the score for this, because it's very old flickery footage, it's very early colour. Um, he's, he's actually gone with the flicks occasionally, with our part, so th suddenly there might be a blast of colour, which is really just the film not being quite right, but Colin has scored it to be. And the effect is very much for me, it's very angular, but very Louis Andreessen. Right, right. In its yeah. sort of very strong uh, approach to... Uh, um, it's called Nausea. That's what he's entitled it, but it's yeah. old archive footage. Okay. Um, and not to be too glum, I don't want to sort of think, oh my God, what happens after <laughs> nuclear bomb? We've then got the most charming 1950s, <coughs> mid-1950s film called The Red Balloon. And it's the journey of a little boy running through the streets of Paris, befriended by a balloon. And you've got there, nearly like, a, it's like a young lad with his teddy and the little yeah. games. Uh, they're, they're playing his days at school and you've, you follow his journey and there's, there's a little bit of trauma in the middle but I'll say we do have a, a nice uplifting yeah. outcome at the end yeah. and it's just one of the most beautiful um, films I've been lucky enough to watch and yeah. the composer who scored the music for that is Mike Smith so we've got two Smiths in the <laughs> Mike Smith and he's actually the MD for Damon Arvin and the Monkeys project. So yeah. Mike is also a saxophonist, but also very, his work is in film. And did you give them the option of choosing the film, or did you exactly that? No, we, we just uh, these are colleagues, uh, <coughs> friends, yeah. and they, they know the quartet, and they've said, "I've spotted this film. I'd like to do something for you." And it's really yeah. at that at that level. That's amazing. Yeah. So we yeah. haven't dictated it any. You do yeah. what you want, and we'll try and play it. Yeah. Sort of. So that's the second half. Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Have we got any questions this evening from people? I mean, there's no need to come up with questions if you haven't got them. I mean, obviously, we've got two very contrasting halves here. We've got, I mean, for me, it just really sums up what is so great about the Deltas, really, in terms of the work that they've done over so many years, the, the, the different approaches to what is essentially a quartet of four instruments with different ranges, different sound words, but also the difference in terms of... Um, 
I suppose, the different careers you have as individuals. I mean, yeah. because you are working in very classical worlds in lots of that, ways, that's right, but right. also in the rock and pop end of things and uh, just and jazz even in the show world. There's Peter, our alto player, is uh, involved in the West End. We all yeah. were involved in the West End, but he's got his own show, so we've yeah. managed to steal him <laughs> from that this evening. <laughs> um, so, uh, and also the commercial work we do. But this is a yeah. this is the reason we're still together. It's because this is our luxury item. You know, we're sort of desert island discs. It was <laughs> this is something you could do, because you're not doing it for the just financial reasons. Yeah. Um, you're doing it because you want to do it. And yeah. It's great to, to have something like that still, where you're not just a professional musician who's only doing it as a hired hand. Yeah, so um, you've got some control and artistic in input yeah, into the whole thing. And, and that's a, still to have that, because we all started playing, because we like playing. Yeah. And this has got to be fun together. Otherwise, I'm not saying it's yeah. not going to always be difficult sometimes, but that's that's the glue. Yeah, it's a social thing. Yeah, and we like what we do. Okay, so we do what we like. Yeah. <laughs> David, can I just ask you? I mean, before we wrap up, I mean, you're, you're a composer, obviously, as well as mm -hmm. working at the University of York. Is that right? York St John. York St yeah. John and yeah. things like that. So, in terms of your composition, what, what have you got coming up? Have you got things? Uh, obviously performance tonight but other things in the pipeline or other well the piece tonight is quite an old one um, I've heard it a few times the Deltas have done it and recorded it and it's, it's great that they're doing it again thanks Chris <laughs> um, <coughs> I, I've just started working on a string quartet for the Bingham Quartet which is going to be the, the next phase of late music's exploration of David Bowie and Brian Eno and we're, we're moving from Bowie to Eno now so oh. I've been researching Eno and um, and and uh, it, it can be influenced by him a little bit. The piece I've just finished is uh, hopefully one that the Deltas are going to take up as part of Project Flix, because that's, um, that's a crazy nightmare ride through Paris at 90 <laughs> miles an hour. The opposite of Red Balloon, which is gentle and charming. <laughs> this is a, a nutcase who, who gets up early one morning and straps a camera to the front of his Ferrari and uh, drives up the wrong way up one-way streets and veers in front of buses and runs over pigeons and things. So yeah, I've just, just finished that and yeah. I've got the music in my, in my case to give to Chris after the, after the concert Amazing. tonight. And how did you discover that film? I mean, what was, or was it something that you knew it already? It was actually one of the members of the Delta Sax Quartet who recommended it because we were chatting after I'd first seen Red Balloon and I was saying, what could go with that? What would, what would work well? And the, the Parisian theme links the two, but they couldn't be more different. Yeah. Good luck with the Bingham Quartet. <laughs> Brian Eno, of course, is an alumnus of the University of Southampton. He studied course, at the yes. Winchester School of Arts yes. so, uh, um, and has an honorary degree which he received in this building a number of years ago. And Chris, I mean, the Deltas themselves, I mean, obviously, obviously you, you have all your own lives going off doing other bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, but what... I mean, is there a next project that's in mind? I mean, there's, it feels yeah. like there's an awful lot of work still on the. I know, it's sort of you, you flying various balloons. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we do have um, sort of new ideas. One is uh, looking at um, the radio ballads by Ewan McColl. Um, oh, and right. these were the BBC radio ballads. So it, it was the folk, uh, obviously yeah. the folk singer, but there were three. It was just at the end of when radio still had a bigger budget than television. So it was in the mid-60s, but it was just coming to an end. And uh, there were um, six or seven uh, programmes where uh, they went out and interviewed fishermen, miners, uh, uh, train drivers. And it was the first time that the BBC had actually allowed the actual people to speak rather than uh, notating their words and having an actor saying, 
and Joe Blogg said this. Oh, so yeah. as part of this dialogue, you've got the uh, actual real British people talking. And it was underpinned with music. And our thoughts was that this would work perfectly in the world of podcasts. People seem to, at the moment, be taking podcasts around with them, where yeah. actually on a podcast, uh, it's sort of beyond the radio because it can be more intimate mm. and you can sort of delve. So that's, we've okay. just put in, so we're, we, we're looking to put t three sections together, obviously a composer, um, a director, and an interviewer. Oh, and a subject. Okay. So that's something that's out yeah, there at the moment. Just floating we'll there. See, see where it lands. Yeah. And again, it wouldn't be copying what had gone before, but it would be yeah. using that idea and taking it into yeah. the world of now. And that's the, I, I always think that's one of those fascinating things. I mean, certainly for, for me, in terms of programming the series here, it's those projects that come to us uh, where they've perhaps you know, had a life you know, many decades past, and, and people are revisiting, reinventing. I mean, some of you may have come to see The Transports, which was the, uh, um, the, the folk opera produced in 1977, which at that time had a cast list of, the, of the great, some of the great folk artists. Uh, and it was revisited last year and toured around, selling out everywhere it went. I mean, really an interesting way of just looking back, but not, not one of those pastiche or, or tribute band sort of approaches to things, but something where you really just yeah. get the inspiration from, from the discoveries, I suppose. And this is a bit about what the three of us were talking about earlier on, the fact that these days, you know, your Spotify playlist can lead you in all manner of different directions, where in the past we may have gone to the library and taken out our three LPs to suddenly work out which one is is the one that you've got no idea what it's going to sound like. But I mean, the, the ability to find whether it's sound or whether it's film or, or speech is, is just extraordinary if you find things via Spotify yeah. or YouTube or those other channels and so things. It's there, you get a little spark and you sort of want to follow yeah. those leads and it's sort of, and it's trying yeah. to keep a relevance to what, what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, I've got one question. I'd love to know, it's brilliant. Thank you for coming to a pre-concert talk. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, what made you come here? <laughs> Is there literally, um, was it being curious, or were you thought, oh, maybe we've got to get here early, so we might as well go in there? It might be one of those things. Mm -hmm. I'd be intrigued. What, um, what, what is it that gets someone to? Okay. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's always good. So. so someone already in the know. That's lovely. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So before, yeah, that's yeah. nice. It's just knowing, again, as a performer, very often we don't get the chance to necessarily meet the audience. You know, you arrive, do your, yeah. we've done our sound check this afternoon, rehearsal yeah. check, go and have a bite to eat, and then get changed, concert, disappear. And mm. it's like, it's a very um, impersonal place sometimes. And it's, for us, uh, having the opportunity to go beyond that, I mean, for all of its bad points, social media um, for us has been very useful where I've managed to have a dialogue. So the quartet is on Twitter, it is on Facebook, and if you wanted to fire any questions mm. about this or suggestions or say that was rubbish, we don't <laughs> mind, we take, take <laughs> all, everything in, and it's a way yeah. of engaging further, and uh, we've got to keep growing. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Um, 
and actually just yes, keep that keep that conversation going really yeah. because I mean tonight is a very contrasted program I mean you know there'll be those who will say I'm here for David Bowie there's yeah. others who go I love silent film with with live music which yeah. we've done quite a lot of here over the years and things yeah. anybody else want to feed him I mean, obviously the King Crimson and the saxophone aren't there any anybody here because of the film that's an interesting one to look so this isn't an Arts Council survey that we're doing no, ver no. verbally <laughs> just to report back to them on what happened with things <laughs> well, <laughs> far too many, Stephen. <laughs> well, that's a perfect reason for being here. Yeah. Then, thank you for coming and uh, supporting <laughs> David as well as everything else. Uh, <laughs> the great thing you're here, and that's lovely. Yeah. Any final questions before we wrap up? Yeah, um, the, we've got the two the two films which we're not playing tonight. One is a brand new. Um, Actually, the, it's not a pre-existing film, so the film is a cartoon. It's about Brian and Banksy, and it's actually a budgerigar and uh, a hound. And this budgerigar has an incredible journey, but it's actually an Australian budgerigar. And the budgerigar is, ende is <laughs> endemic of Australia. Oh, right. yeah, it's on YouTube, isn't it? You can yeah, see that so one already. It's a little yeah. snip yeah. on YouTube. So it's the journeys of bro this relationship between the dog which is outside of the cage, but the budgerigar in the cage. And um, even I think the Aboriginal uh, budgerigar actually means, it's a bit like a Cornish pasty, it means some food in the hand-sized piece of food. I'm led to believe, <laughs> there you go, that's what a budgerigar means. So that's one of them. And the other film is a 1911 uh, Italian black and white movie, and it's about Cretinetti's Christmas. And it's about this greedy Italian who went and sort of scrumped all the food from under the Christmas cake, uh, under the Christmas tree, and um, and he's being scolded. So it's a bit Laurel and Hardy in its essence, but there's a there's a moral under there that you've got to wait for Christmas before the treats come. So that's it, and it's an Italian composer who's written the new score for that. And that isn't to click. Actually, we'll be watching the film and right. trying to sync that. That will be that's a, so that's that's the uh, yeah. Those are the four films. It's David's new film. Yeah. And um, the other one is a, a younger composer we've commissioned who lives in Deptford, and he's going to go around filming around Deptford Creek and oh, putting some music okay, towards so. what his environment is at the moment. So yeah. it's a little snapshot of Deptford. God, so that's what a fascinating range yeah. of different things. So and things uh, like that. Thanks so. for asking. Yeah, so. <laughs> well, I mean, in the last half an hour, we've, uh, we've heard that uh, you have to wait until Christmas, but fortunately we don't have to wait <laughs> that long for, for the Deltas to perform on stage. We've also gone from David Bowie to Banksy and Budgerigars, which <laughs> I didn't quite expect <laughs> at the beginning. But anyway, um, thank you so much for coming. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, please thank David Lancaster and Chris Colwell. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you.